Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. When you need a minute to look it over, it's time for a freeze frame, where Nate Longarini, Jake Hensler, and Andrew Roger of the middle seats. And this show is designed to take a quick look at something different each week and see how it holds up with a closer look. These are always spoiler-filled reviews, but if you're curious about the thing we're reviewing and don't want to be spoiled, look for the ratings timecode in the description. So this week's a little different. We are going to be freezing on our first TV series, which is Netflix's hit series, Stranger Things. On Halloween night, Will saw a sort of shadow. These are not nightmares. It's happening. And what have you done? Nothing. What is wrong with my boy? Don't you think it's weird? How we only seem to hang out when the world's about to end? It's Judgment Day. Which is why we need as much help as we can get. The second season of the critically acclaimed show just premiered this past Halloween, and now that the three of us, and it seems the rest of the world, have caught up, it's time to share our thoughts. So grab your egos and spike bats, boys, because we're going to the upside down. Nice transition. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, uh, just a quick summary of all three of us on the first season of Stranger Things. Uh, we all give it a plush recliner. It's a great throwback to an 80s kind of look at the world and an era where we weren't alive yeah <laughs> and the characters are just really really fun and i think that's one of the biggest draws to stranger things so let's start with drew what do we think of the second season well i think there was a lot of pressure going in for them to make this the phenomenon that the original season was like this this season was basically the biggest blockbuster of all october movies or TV. Everybody was looking forward to this, and it's so hard to replicate the success of a series moving forward. However, I think this sophomore season is probably as good as we could have expected from Stranger Things Season 2. It does everything that you want it to do. It takes these characters that we already love, puts them in different situations, kind of changes the dynamic a little bit, adds new characters to the mix that you like and enjoy spending time with, makes sure that the threat level is still very high, um, and also tries to do some things new. And I really, I've very baseline saying, we'll get into more specifics later, but I really, really enjoyed this second season and especially found that it got better and better as it went along, which is really important. Good thoughts. What do we think about it, Jake? Um, for me, it was uh, it was a very, very good follow-up season. And that's not always easy to do when you have an original work like the first season and it's so huge that you're de a second season is in demand. It's not always easy to follow up, and they did a, a real, real bang-up job on the second season. I will say it's it's very, very character-driven. Like, a lot of the characters have a lot to do, and, that, and that's great. 
But I think by the end, the conflict gets just a little bit flat. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more in detail once we all give our basic thoughts. But overall, very good. Um, I think they improved on all the characters. Um, you know, they give more detail, more depth. We get a, a feel for all of them and some new ones. Um, very engaging, very interesting at all times. And yeah, it's kind of like Andrew said. I don't think it's it's phenomenal, but it's a great follow-up season for what was a phenomenon and still is a phenomenon. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm going to voice very similar things here, it sounds like. I thoroughly enjoyed Season 2. I really loved Season 1, uh, especially the characters. Dustin Forever. Love that man. Yeah, Dustin. <laughs> um, and I thought this season did an equally great job balancing all these different characters, dealing with their own little set of horrors. And it did it in a very cohesive, believable way. Um <laughs> The end of season one made Eleven this really OP character, and I'm really glad that this season didn't have her involved with a lot of the action that the other characters were dealing with, because then the show just would have ended too fast. They did a great job of keeping her power level high and even growing by the end of the end of the season without making her the focal point of the show. Because that's what it was last season. It was a big Mike and Eleven show. And we got a lot more time with the other characters this season. I think the show did better for it. Yeah, they give... A lot of people had problems with Lucas, especially in the first season. And this season does a lot of good work of rectifying his character. But I think the breakout star of this season uh, was Steve, for me, personally. <laughs> what He is everybody's favorite babysitter now. Pretty much. What they do with his character is they take him from being a stereotype and make him this completely interesting human guy. And that happens with a lot of the characters. Um, I love the first season of Stranger Things, um, but a lot of it is based on nostalgia for other movies. Like, these characters are their stock character types in the first season. For example, Dustin is, he's the wisecracking comic relief character. Um, Mikey, he's the de facto leader of the group. Lucas is the black one. Like different de facto groups that they're filling in from other movies. This season does a really good job of defining these specific characters and makes them that infinitely much more likable to spend time with. Yeah, um, Steve is definitely a breakout. Um, they do a lot with him. They mature him a lot. But they, I think all the characters get matured and, you know, and like Nate said, all go through their own little shop of horrors in a great way. And that is something I absolutely loved, loved about this season. There's... I think we all took screenwriting with the same professor at Marist. Um, but one thing he always stu that stuck out to me that the teacher said was, as far as conflict goes, take your main character or cast of characters, throw them in the tree as your main character, as your main conflict, and then uh, while they're in the tree, obviously metaphorically, throw metaphorical rocks at them to make more obstacles of getting down from the tree harder. So the main conflict was obviously... Hawkins being in deep shit again. There, that's okay. the up. That's the up in the tree. The rocks they throw are such good rocks. If you if you're catching my drift, what I'm metaphor more metaphorically getting at, each character has all these little issues and obstacles to go through while confronting this big end all thing. And I think every episode does that really well. And if up, if I'm being honest, up until the last episode, I think the way the main conflict ends is a little. A little eh, a little flat. But generally speaking, all the conflict the characters go through works, flows, 
makes them grow, and everything they do just progresses. And that's that's really important in a TV show. Like a movie, you get an hour and a half to three hours to do it. A TV show, you get more wiggle room, and they work with it really, really well throughout the entire season. Well, really, why this series works so well is it's because it's a coming-of-age drama first, and then a science fiction show second. And for everybody, uh, Joyce Byers, Hopper as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hopper's character yeah, development Hopper's was really cool this season. I liked mm. him a lot. But the whole thing, you talking about metaphors, literally the big entranceway to the Upside Down looks like a vagina. And these kids are confronting puberty and stuff. There's some All really right, Sue Lawrence. Okay, it's what it looks like, man. <laughs> it is. And it was designed like that on purpose, I'm telling you. But anyway. Yeah, Let, let's talk some more specifics. Vaginas aside. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, what do we, what do we think about, uh, Will Byers, um, character played by Noah Schnapps here? Um, he had a much more involved role, obviously right. this season because he wasn't kidnapped, but he's still being invaded by, uh, these creatures of the upside down. Yeah. That what kid's real. That kid's really good. He's mm-hmm. a, he, he plays so many different angles really well. I wouldn't be surprised if he got nominated for an Emmy to be completely honest. He is that effective and I'd creepy and it. heartbreaking. I agree with creepiness. There were some... Some great moments when when the shadow monster, whatchamacallit, like like invades him and he has Possesses a seizure. Him. I was pretty messed up. And then when it's officially inside of him and his mom is like, it's like, get in the warm bath. And he's like, he likes it cold. I was like, oh, what? Oh, hold on yeah. a second. Oh, my God. What the hell's going on? <laughs> like, that was some and good the, stuff. the scene where, toward the end, where they're literally burning it out of him. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Like. Holy crap, I got like the hairs standing up in the back of my neck just like he did several times throughout the great movie. Stuff. Um it it was really creepy to watch and he did a great job selling not only the creepy kid factor, but him just trying to be a normal kid and living his Halloween. Like this is a character who we hadn't seen and he's trying to reconnect with all his friends that he'd been away from yep. um for a whole season and him trying to balance those two things when it's physically impossible for him to do so is really, really cool and really good acting on the kid's part. I, I agree. This show does a really good job of making sure that all of its principal characters are involved in an important way, which is easier said than done. Like in a lesser show, all the stuff with Nancy and Jonathan wouldn't mean anything. But the but this show weaves it in really nicely. Yes. To absolutely. the themes, to the story, and eventually pays off later with them trying to basically get justice for barb like the fans want um (laughs) where's barb but it it just the way that it's all integrated it flows really nicely yeah combining character development with actually moving the plot right this isn't a soap opera this is a legitimate show with legitimate consequences and it's great for it and this cast just has such great chemistry with each other they seem to all generally enjoy each other's company absolutely we've seen that on like the jimmy fallon show and stuff (laughs) they've seen they all really enjoy each other right I was going to say, while, while we're talking characters, let's, let's discuss the new characters, Max and her older brother. What do we think of Max's older brother for now? I know Andrew originally had some issues with him in the beginning. Yeah, I still have some issues with him. How do you feel about him now, though? You could write this entire season and take him out, in my opinion. I don't see a need for him. He's just the stock bully. I like him in the final episode, and I think he's going to be bigger in season three. That very They may very well be true, but here he just he serves no purpose, in my opinion. I think that those two characters together make one character, but the development we got wasn't enough. Max is a girl trying to break into the social circle, and her brother is the conflict for her character. 
but there's no other interaction save for that one fight in, at the end of the season um, where her brother actually contributes to the plot at all. Um, and I think together they have enough, but it doesn't match up to the great development of all the other characters in the show. And we've talked so, about, yeah, we've talked about psychopath bullies before. And again, this kid takes it to another level. I've, I've seen the actor and other stuff before, and I've liked him, but just the writing on the character needs to be better, especially if he's going to be a bigger presence in season three. Mm -hmm. As far as Max goes, I liked her. I think she's a very, she integrated herself pretty well with that group, and she serves a very distinct mm -hmm. purpose besides being separate from her uh, brother, because she serves as, she's the, this kind of barrier that Mike has to deal with now that Eleven is gone. Um, and I'm not saying they're romantically involved, but kind of in the prepubescent pre way. That like, oh, there's another girl around, but she's not, it's not the same. The one thing that I wanted to see more of was essentially kind of what Mike was doing with her character, where he was sh deliberately shutting her out, and they never really touched on the fact that those characters are essentially bullying Max's character, and they never have that eureka moment where, huh, other people in this school have treated me the same way. And they've shut me out of things, and I need to be better. I don't want to be like the bullies at my school, so I need to be more accepting of people. There's never that moment where they realize that they were kind of in the wrong for how they treated Max. Well, I think Lucas has that moment when he Lucas tells her is everything. great, and Lucas, Lucas is yeah. Lucas is very good about integrating into the group. But Dustin and Mike don't really have that moment with her. Dustin's searching for her romantically and that's about it and then mike obviously is very antagonistic through her and he yeah. never has that moment and never really apologizes for it to be honest yeah i and i do agree for the amount of times that they bully her we don't get enough um apologies or you know solutions to it it's like like they bully her they bully her they bully her 11 comes back conflict's over and everything's mm -hmm. as neat uh, as conflict's not over though because 11 doesn't seem to very like her very much yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's also like I know they they show what happens with Eleven and Mike, but I I agree with Nate. There's not that that moment where they all come together and realize. But I think I did I didn't really need that because at that point the show is diverting into these very interesting pairings. About halfway through the season, all of the characters start to go into separate journeys, and they and I love how they all converge back at the end in a natural yes. way, in a too. really natural yes. way. I think that's so important. I'm I'm a big advocate for for things like that. Like like. Things flowing and happening naturally, not forced in a show. Right. It feels real. And I think they do an excellent job with that here. And I think that's an excellent, excellent segue here into our what I want to bring up here. And I think, Nate, you were going to get to this at some point. Let's talk about episode seven. Yep, the there elephant in the room. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I'm not a fan. <laughs> this is clearly a backdoor pilot. And what I mean by that is they want to make sure the show has a direction to move after this se the season is done. And they do that by bringing up all these misfit um, other experiences. So we meet number eight and uh, deal with her character. And it doesn't work for me. The show completely halts all forward motion of the plot for this sub thing that could have easily been done by any other coming of age story with Eleven's character. I don't disagree. Um... My big problem with episode seven, um, I think the episode itself is not that bad. I think it's being treated like this antichrist episode. <laughs> um, when really, I don't think it's that bad. It's important for Eleven's 
character development to get something like this. Because the entirety of her season is about she's isolated, she's frustrated that she doesn't know more about what she is. And wanting to find a home. Yeah, and that's one way for her to try to experiment and find a home. I don't have necessarily a problem with the episode and concept. What I do have a problem with is where it comes in the season. Yeah. Because the episode before is possibly the best episode of the season to me. And it ends on an amazing, amazing cliffhanger where Hopper looking down and all the Demid dogs coming up towards them. That's an excellent cliffhanger. Yeah. And then we just spend this entire episode completely far I, away from it. I think I'm, I'm more with you, Andrew. I feel like the episode, I'm not against it. I think it was fun and it was necessary. Um, but where it comes in is kind of like, whoa. And did they need to dedicate basically an entire episode to Eleven? Could they have just strung it in with the rest, with everybody else, you know? Like, why couldn't they have done, done it that way? That's a good point, too. Um, but I think my solution for it would be you reverse the, the orders of a couple of episodes. There's a way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. Eleven's completely missing from the episode before, if I'm correct. I yep. believe she is. So you, when she visits her mother, then you transition into this episode. You don't, you don't have a cliffhanger like that and then completely halt the momentum. Yeah. If you reverse the order of the episode, I think at least 30% of people that have problems with it would not have as much of a problem. Yeah, because I think the episode is fine, and we needed an arc from her. Yeah. My biggest issue with the episode, aside from placement, which is a huge red flag for me, is I'm not a fan of any of the characters. Uh, a couple people I've talked to said that they enjoy eight and um, all that, but I just don't think she's well acted, especially compared to how good the rest of the cast is. And it's not necessarily an issue of, oh, we just haven't seen enough of these characters yet. I fell in love with the original four characters of this show with the first scenes of season one. I did not get the sense from these characters at all. They're cardboard cutouts. They are not fun. They're very cringy to me. Yeah. And it's hard to take the show that is so very small town out of its comfort zone like that so quickly and expect people to latch on. It was never going to work. It's a well, one, one thing I, I read, um, and I mean, I think 8 was fine. I hope they don't try to do a spinoff like this, because that would be kind of weird. Um, no, I think what will happen is she'll be a big presence next year. Um, yeah, and what I what I read yeah. was, I don't know if you guys read anything like this as well, but I read that if the Duffer brothers who wrote and created the show, if they have their way, um, they'll do a season 3, and a season 4 will be their final season. And then wh whatever happens after that is after that, but if it's their way... They do two more seasons, and it's just what I heard is potentially happening. That's what I've heard, too. Every good TV series that does well has an end date right. in sight when they start the show. Right. So I Which hope gives that some they confidence. But for now, one of my questions is, so we, so Eleven is obviously one of the focal points of season one. Season two introduces eight. Where is one through ten minus eight? What like they're gonna have to address that now that they're they have Aiden here. My it's gonna be Lilo and Stitch, man. We're gonna have to just go through all the experiments. Like we have to know what else is going on. Yeah, my assumption is that they're dead, personally. Or a lot of them, but I don't know. But they're gonna have to address something like that. Yeah, they're gonna have to. Maybe, maybe um, build their own Avengers. I don't know. Getting back, to, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what that I feel like. That's where people are afraid the show's gonna go. Yeah, and I, I kind of hope that they stick away from that point. Yeah. Getting back to the Hawkins group here, yeah, how yeah. good is Sean Astin in this? Oh my god, he was my favorite character. Really? He was favorite? great. Favorite? 
besides Dustin, because <laughs> Dustin is hands down the best character ever written ever, period. I was going to say, Dustin is such a charmer <laughs> this season. I love Dustin. Yeah, Sean Astin was fantastic. Um, him just dealing with the drama of this in this most upbeat, cheerful way is just really, really fun, wholesome, and really, really well invited. He brought a great presence to the screen. Right. Nate, you must relate to him so much dealing with everything oh, in an upbeat. All the puzzles, way. man. I was like, yes, spirit animal achieved. <laughs> the thing I love about him is that he clearly really cares about, you know, you can always be cynical about the new boyfriend, but he very much clearly cares about Jonathan and Will and very much cares about Winona Ryder's character and is very careful to help her out and not ask too many questions. Like that's that's something that like was just warm and inviting to have. I also really enjoyed um Paul Rubens, uh, doctor character. He was kind of refreshing as this character. That's I didn't not... like him at first, but he grew on me. Yeah, I liked the fact that he wasn't completely batshit evil. At exactly. The end. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's exactly what everyone expected going in, and it was a breath of fresh air when he was legitimately trying to. Help. Although I have a gripe with the I think the second to last episode, um. Well, one, I liked how when the demo dogs are officially in the uh, the lab, I liked how Jurassic Parky it is, like Velociraptors in the kitchen. Thought it was very well directed from that standpoint. But they have a, a an unnecessarily unnecessarily couple of flaws here. There are one, they literally show him deliberately show him leaving a gun on on the cabinet or the I mean that cabinet counter, unnecessary. And then they have him coming out of a closet and knocking a broom over like come on guy we you are that that is a stereotypical bad horror stereotype and i know they're better than this i had an issue with that yeah. if you're gonna make mm-hmm. him go fine but have it better than that i yeah that didn't really bother I me i hate when i personally. hate when when anything does that i would have liked it better if he didn't leave the gun on the table that's just careless even if he's just going out and, and sacrificing himself that's totally fine but it was it was two careless mistakes that they had him kill for, for, like, no reason. Especially when he, he hasn't been portrayed as a particularly careless character before that, I guess. Yeah, but he he's also never been in this kind of situation before. Yeah. What I think is a bigger... I think probably the only real story problem I have is when Dustin brings home Dart, that they are not immediately more concerned. Those, those mm. kids, having gone through what they went through last year, he brings home Dart... Knowing what's going on in Hawkins, Indiana, they they are okay with it for a short period and, of time. And I, if I was if I was one of them, I would be like, absolutely not. Yeah, we need to call someone. This needs yep. to be yeah, done. I agree now. with that, and especially and I, when the cat goes, that is a yeah, that is a then, turning point. But yeah, and then he then he takes it seriously. But up to that yeah. point, there was not a whole lot of tension there. Dustin being out of his mind about this pet, fine, okay. But Lucas, especially throwing all that shit he and shade he threw at 11 last year <laughs> not having an issue with this that's true like did that's not make true. sense to me yeah another out of character another out of character thing for me was mike made no attempts to inform any of his buddies that him and will were going to of uh, the lab um and they're there for the rest of the sh- rest of the season and i feel like I would have at least tried to send something out to the radio saying, hey, Will's going through all this panic stuff. Because to him, that is the most important event going on. To Dustin, 
Dart is the most important event going on, and he's trying to get in touch with his buddies to let him know what's going on. Yeah, that's true. They were not a team for the last half of the season, which is important to the plot, but just kind of out of character for Mike. I that's think. certainly the point, I think. Mike was really angsty this season in general. He's missing 11. He feels like that um, Max is coming in and taking her place, and he feels like his friends are not taking him seriously when yeah. he's saying that something's wrong with Will. So he kind, of, I it kind of made sense to me that he would isolate himself in that situation and just be like, okay, I'm going to deal with just Joyce and Will here. Um, I see what you're saying, but I don't necessarily feel that way. All right, one one final thing I wanted to bring up um, is the final um, episode. I think they build conflict incredibly well throughout the show, even in little things like 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 little like how Dart progresses, how the smoke monster and Will progress. Even how relationships uh, go about, like Steve and Nancy and Jonathan, I think conflicts grow really, really well in, in this season especially. But how they resolve it finally in the episode, I just feel like was kind of... We've seen it before. Like, it's the... My, my brother calls it, called it the, the Phantom Menace Syndrome, where they take out the big bad and all the dem dogs go down. And it was a stereotypical Eleven goes up against it and closes the portal and all them dogs go and everything goes happily ever after. I feel but like there's we... more. There's more to it than that. I think they get every character involved in a different way. I yeah, loved how the... they kind of segmented everyone off. Like they had to burn. Yeah, but the the, the end all the was kind like, We we've seen that end all before. I'm I'm with Drew on the fact that even though it's something that we may have seen before in other sci-fi movies, it didn't bother me because everyone had a part in doing it. My issue more with the ending was the fact that we have the trope of Eleven defeating the big bad by just believing harder. Yeah. yeah. We've seen that a lot. And there wasn't there wasn't any oomph to the ending there. She just used two hands instead of one hand. And that was enough yeah. to set the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that is all she does. That's the thing that really kind of irked me. Like there are some, the there are some sci-fi stereotypes going on in the end, or you know, or ba- you know, kind of basic stuff in sci-fi genres that we've seen before. And that's the thing about this show is that as much as I love it, it has its limitations. It's never mm-hmm. going to be as unbelievable as like a Game of Thrones or as a great storytelling piece of art like True Detective is because it is- it, it's it's built. On nostalgia for stereotypes. Yeah, I will and say it's just it is really good at that. Though. I was pleasantly surprised with how good the second season was because you never, you never know. Um, well, yeah, I mean, but I am thoroughly enjoying it. It's, it's still continually keeping my interest and keeping me um, enjoying it. For it's sure. certainly, right. it's certainly still in the upper echelons of shows. Yeah, we definitely got to wrap this up, boys. Let's yeah, let's give ratings. Um, let's give ratings for season two of Stranger Things on the seat scale. Let's start with Jake. Uh, again, you're gonna see this pattern pattern with me. Um, if Royal Throne, you better blow me away. So I'm gonna have to go with like wonderful plush recliner. I was watching it from the comfort of my bed, being metaphorical plush recliner today. Um, I stayed in bed uh, watching it whenever I could, whenever I wasn't too busy, and I enjoyed it a lot. I, you know, you're probably gonna like this. It's a very enjoyable show, and it's well written, well directed, well acted. There's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot like majorly wrong with it. It's just generally. You know, good television in a golden age of television. Um, would recommend to most people who just enjoy shows in general. Um, one wonderful plush recliner. All right, moving on to Drew. So certainly, if you've been listening to this the whole time, hopefully you watch the show. So we don't need to tell you how good it is. Um, it's just a matter of how does this season uh, stack up to the first. And I think they're pretty much neck and neck. I might have even liked the second one a little bit more because it's just it feels bigger. The characters feel more defined. 
it's just an enjoyable ride, albeit with a few bumps in the road. I'm not a huge fan of the bully character. He's a bit stereotypical, and they have a lot of work to do with him in season three. There's one or two plot things where I'm like, eh, and there's a little bit about episode seven. I'm not nearly as anti-episode seven as a lot of people are, but for me, there, there are some things that needed to be corrected there in that execution that, again, in season three could be either uh, rectified or completely messed up. I'm going to give it a plush recliner. It is one of the best shows on TV. It's in the upper echelon. Definitely watch it when you get a chance. They're pretty quick to get through. It's a pretty easy binge. But yes, I I would recommend this to pretty much anyone. Yep. Uh, For me, I'm going to echo these guys' thoughts. Uh, This is an incredibly binge-worthy show. Um, I think I like the first season a little bit more than this season. But the comparison's pretty darn close. They're... Both plush recliners in my book. They're really great fun. Just seeing these characters grow up or um, seeing the real adult drama that plays out here as well. It's phenomenally acted with some really, really cool stories that you can't find anywhere else on TV right now. Uh, Plush recliner for me. Check it out and get your friends to watch it too. It's a lot of fun. So that'll do it for us here on this freeze frame. Let us know what you think about Season 2. Please let us know in the comments down below. We are The Middle Seats with Andrew Roger, Jay Kensler, and myself, Nate Lungarini. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.